Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, PlayStation Plus changes are underway and Disney announced their answer to Animal Crossing? What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, joined by my wonderful other host, Brittany Brombucker. Hello, Andrea Renee. Hi. How are you Hi. today, Brittany? I'm great. You know, it's not like we've been talking for an hour prior to this. <laughs> I know. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Whether it's your first episode or your 273rd episode of the podcast, wow. we appreciate that you're here. Brittany and I had a few technical problems, and we had to just laugh it off because even though we've been doing the podcast for literally almost five years, yes, our five-year anniversary is next month. More details coming on that very soon. We still get technical <laughs> problems co cropping up, and we had to troubleshoot for quite a while. And then after we got it solved, we just got to talking, and now we were like, Drinking. hey, we should probably start the show. <laughs> oh, so it's going to be a good one, I think is what we're trying to say. I want to thank this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Agopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Goudere, and Punctified for supporting What's Good Games at patreon.com slash what's good games, like our newest member, Josh Hyde. Welcome to the Patreon club. And Brittany, mm -hmm. we have some new podcast reviewers, so thank you to everybody who's taken the time to leave us a five-star review, and you pulled a quote from one. Yeah! Shout out to Mario Void, who left this fun review, Andrea. The title is, Fun, 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 Until Dad Took My Pokemon Away. I love it. And if you're, and if you're under a certain age, you're going to have no idea. You're not going <laughs> to get the reference. Is. Yeah, well, you know, we're just aging ourselves here. But the review itself is this. These ladies and guests are always up for laughs, delivering game news and hot takes. At least once an episode, one or all of them just get lost in laughter, and it's hard not to laugh along to the infectious chuckling. Please note, and this is my favorite part, this is an adult podcast. So if you're too young or too Karen to enjoy off-the-wall side topics that lead off the beaten path, then here's your warning. Keep it up, ladies. Thank yes, <laughs> to Karen. Yay. I love Yay. it. Oh, it's so funny. All these people are like, I can't let my, my young daughter listen to this. Oh, because you mentioned banging and sex. Oh, well, I'm glad you've never had sex before, clearly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why are you, Why is that such a taboo? You have a child. You're going to have to teach them about the birds and the bees anyway. Why not let us do that for you? We will be the icebreaker. When your child is of age, you will talk to them. And you'll be like, hey, do you remember that really weird fucking podcast about video Wait, games back in the are day? You, are you volunteering us to, like, teach sex education to people's children? <laughs> God, well, you break it down that way. Fuck, I don't know. That's quite... <laughs> I mean, listen... 
I think we would probably make the best sex ed teachers known to man. I don't think we'd be the most accurate or scientific, but we would, you know, get them the basics. Yeah, we, we would. We'll do that. For, God, new Patreons here who could say, join us in two weeks for our anniversary stream. <laughs> we'll be a segment on the anniversary stream. <laughs> Brit and Andrea teach sex ed to your kids. <laughs> okay. Uh, but thank you, Mario Void, for that really fun review. If you uh, don't have a couple of dollars to throw our way at patreon.com slash what's good games, we would love it if we could give us a couple minutes of your time with a five-star review. It helps out the show and is an easy way and low-impact way to support us without opening up your wallet or your bank account. So thank you to everybody who has taken the time to do that. It really means a lot to us. And also, this episode is brought to you by Shopify and Zavi, but we will tell you more about that later. But now we're going to go ahead and jump into the news because we have quite a few stories to talk about this week, but it seems like all of them are about PlayStation. They're not all about PlayStation, but the first couple ones are. So, Britt, what do we got up first? Oh, I just did a silent burp. All right, first up, <laughs> Andrea, we have PlayStation Plus. PlayStation Now members will be upgraded to PlayStation Plus Premium for the duration of their longest subscription. PlayStation Plus Premium, FYI, is the top tier of a PlayStation's new tier system. So keeping that in mind... <clears throat> Are you currently a PS Plus and PS Now member? Have you stacked PS Plus for several years? Well, you're about to receive the deal of a lifetime. As we know, subscribers to PS Now will automatically be upgraded to PS Plus Premium when it releases in the coming weeks. However, if you have multiple years of PlayStation Plus paid up as well, you'll, enjoy, you'll be able to enjoy... PS Plus Premium for the entire duration of your longest subscription. Quote, if you are subscribed to both services when the new PS Plus launches, you'll be migrated into the PS Plus Premium membership plan, and you'll have a new single payment date based upon the longer of your two subscriptions. You'll be notified via email of your new payment date and subscription fee. And that comes from PlayStation themselves. So here's a quick example. Let's say you've got an active PS Plus Now, or PS now membership until September 1st, 2022, and an active PS Plus Plus membership until September 1st, 2025. Well, you're in luck because that means you'll automatically be upgraded to PS Plus Premium until September 1st, 2025. Now remember, a year of PS Plus Premium is worth $120. So if you're stacked up on PS Plus but don't currently have PS Now, you can still try to find a subscription before PS Plus Premium launches in order to take advantage of this loophole, but they've mostly been removed from the market now. And I think, yeah, I think that loophole has been removed because you did have a lot of sneaky squirrels and smart Susans being like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of this offer. But I think this is a nice move from PlayStation. Like, good for you. Doesn't seem like, not that I think it was cash grabby from the get-go, but I think this is just a really good look. Know what I mean? It's interesting that you think it's a really good look because I think a lot of people on the internet don't agree with you. Wait, really? Yeah. I think a lot of people are upset about this and Why? I don't think that they're upset about this clarification I think that they're just upset because they were upset that it was changing in the first place oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean of course I think the thing that really kind of drives it home was this tweet that I saw from Destin Ligari who is a reporter on camera host and okay, Destin He's the head of video now, I think, over at IGN. I don't, know his, I don't know what his exact title is, but he's doing big things. Um, and he's great. And he, he also has an, an amazing cookie bakery that he and his wife do on the side of all things. Ooh. And Brittany, if you have ordered, they're now shipping to all 50 states. 
He was supposed to tell me when they started doing that. I did not know that. So they tweeted it out. It's in his Twitter profile. Those cookies are absolutely worth the shipping cost. Oh, I'll pay it. I've told him from the get-go. Yeah. When you start shipping, you, okay, good to know. They're delicious. Anyway, Anyway, we digress. He did not pay me to say that. I'm just speaking from my own experience (laughs) eating those cookies. They were delicious and gigantic. I highly recommend you share them because if you don't, you will probably get a stomachache like I did. I was like, I can totally take this cookie down by myself. One hour later, I was like, oh, no, that was too much cookie. That's a big cookie. Is it dense or is it large? Both. It's both. Oh, (laughs) it's amazing, but it's gigantic, and it's everything you would want in a. Okay, I'm done talking about the cookies. They're wonderful. (laughs) His tweet about it's so he the tweets about Microsoft, but it's not about Microsoft. It's clearly like a subtweet against PlayStation. Okay, the tweet is. I wish Microsoft charged me $10 more to play on Xbox Series X, put two-hour demos exclusively behind a paywall, and made the 360 library streaming only. That would be amazing and super pro-consumer. Ah, okay, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. So clearly he's being a little little bit sarcastic here, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And he's got almost 10,000 likes on this tweet, so clearly people are understanding what he's getting at. And I think like the point that he's making is... These two services aren't equal, and they never were going to be equal, right? We always right, knew right. that when PlayStation was going going to announce this, that it was never going to be a competitor to Game Pass, and PlayStation even said as much, right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> they acknowledge that their first party studio games are very valuable, which clearly I think everybody who has ever played them recognizes that. Why would they put them into PlayStation Plus's new subscription tier system when they can keep charging for them and PlayStation fans will keep buying them? And I don't blame them. Every first party game I've played has been worth the money. Even games that I don't particularly like, like uh, Sekiro or Days Gone, still think that they're really great games worth their sticker price. So I feel like I'm kind of on the fence about this. I got my email like everybody else who's a PlayStation Plus subscriber did about like, hey, your subscription's changing, blah, blah, blah. But do you think that you are going to pay for the premium? Uh, <laughs> uh mm-mm. no. I mean, it, it's hard to say, right? Because like the thing that I'm most interested in the premium is the, the old, yeah, the old classic games. So your PlayStation, your PS2 games, etc. I think that's like where my... I get hot and bothered when I think about what I really want out of the service. I think when we talked about this, which feels like ages ago, I don't know why that couldn't have been included in one of the lower tiers. So I get what Destin is saying. Like overall, like, yes, I know earlier I said, oh, I don't think it's too cash grabby, but I think I tend to be rather numb when it comes to subscription services. I think yeah. I'm just unfortunately one of those people who I'm like $19 a month, like cool. That's like one Chipotle that I order multiple times a week. Like I can, you know, to me, like that's how I justify and that it. That seems cheap to me because the delivery fees now, are outrageous see i know my spending habits and they're probably not the healthiest so i like i said i'm kind of numb to this but um yeah like i wish you know i wish the service was a little bit more competitive with game pass but it's not now the tricky part is going to be when i'm looking at the subscription tiers i'm like okay i'm like do i want to pay 14.99 a month for extra or do i want to do i want to pay an extra three dollars a month for the premium and get all of those you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, maybe some game demos or maybe some of those older games. Like, I know I'm going to probably pony up the extra three bucks because to me, again, I'm like, OK, what is three dollars for me? 
that I don't even know the last time I bought anything for three dollars because you can't fucking buy shit for three dollars anymore in this you day and age. You can still buy like a plain black coffee for less than three dollars in most places. Oh, you can yeah. get like a, most fast food restaurants have dollar menus where you can get like a hamburger or like a French fry. Okay, or soda. so. Okay, so I'm like, do I want a hamburger or a french fry? Or I want hundreds of PlayStation and PlayStation 2 games. Like, I want the latter. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's just the way people have learned, Andrew, that you can make lots of easy money from fools like myself who subscribe to shit and then we forget to unsubscribe to it. There's an actual technical term for this. Idiot? No, there's like a literal term for it and I can't remember what it's called. Because John told me what it was when we were talking about all of our subscriptions that we have. Because we get, we like most of you out there who are an adult that has an ISP that calls you and is always trying to sell you their like internet, like TV package. And you're like, I'm good. I like cut the cord a long time ago. Uh, For us, it's Spectrum here in the part of the Los Angeles uh, metro that I live in. And they're like, well, how much do you pay for all of your streaming services? And I was like, how much time do you have? <laughs> Let me tell you my life story. I was like, I can't even add it up. It's, it's, it's atrocious is what it is. She's like, well, we can help you out. I go, no, you can't. You don't got HBO Max. You don't got Hulu. You got Disney Plus. She's like, well, actually, you're, you're. I was like, I'm right. That's right. I'm right. <laughs> I thought about this. <laughs> help me. I can't afford all of this streaming. <laughs> So much streaming. Anyway, there's like there's a term. My point is that there's a term for the people who subscribe to something and then forget about it. And I and I don't know what it is. Um, I'll no. text him and hopefully he'll text me back. But um, I'm always going to be a PlayStation Plus subscriber. You and I work in video games. It's just part of what mm-hmm. we do. And I think anybody who's in the PlayStation ecosystem appreciates the value. I think it always reminds me when I talk to my sister about when she's on PlayStation Plus or not, because I think she primarily used it for online access when we were playing Paragon together a lot. Um. Um, But she doesn't play online stuff at all really right now. And so she's like, well, why would I pay for it? I'm like, ah, but the cloud saves. Um, Uh And I think that, you know, for people who don't use it actively, I don't really know what the, what the, what the value is in the new tiers. Because I, like you said, like either you have this, affinity for the the deep library that they're giving you access to or you don't and i feel like most gamers now aren't in that i care about the ps now library so it'll be interesting to see like where the splits happen and if they adjust what these tiers are going to be in the time to come so of course tied to this story are the next two stories about the timed game trials that are now a requirement for playstation developers and I wanted to bring up the fact that Kotaku also has a story out called with the title Sony requiring some game devs to provide free trials to PS Plus subscribers. And they kind of give a more in-depth look at what this policy means and what Sony is going to do to support developers who are kind of now being forced to do these (coughs) trials that never really had plans to do them because that's work. You can't just Mm -hmm. you can't just like clip the first like two hours of the game and be like cool there's your demo that's really not how demos work and not how code works so i'm glad that they're going to be giving support but at the same time it kind of feels like they're pushing some of their partners to do this when they really didn't have intentions to 
Yeah, so the TLDR on it, ladies and gentlemen, is that if you're a game, let's say you're a game developer, Andrew or and you're suddenly like a game dev. Congratulations, Andrew, you've been promoted in life. Um, cool. <laughs> I'm you're... so excited to crunch in another industry. Yay. If your game has a wholesale cost of $34 or higher, you will now be required to create time-limited game trials of your game. They have to be at least two hours long, and games that cost lower than that are not required to create these trial, these demos, for example. And the good news is these requirements are not retroactive, do not apply to upcoming PlayStation VR titles. Um, there is some flexibility. You have up until three months after your game's launch to release your trial, and you can do different... Okay, so here we go. Sony is also open to releasing custom game demos instead of time-limited trials, but these will only be approved on a case-by-case basis developers are also still free to publish free weekends game trials or custom demos so this is such an interesting because i feel like on the surface it just seems like such a simple topic but the more you talk about it and the more you break it down it can get really fucking like there's a lot of gray area you know what i mean it's it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of confusing so like on the one hand the first person that comes to my mind like who can benefit from this the most would be my husband jason and i say that because he is it's so funny because I will play a game and I'll be like, this game is fucking phenomenal. Like, you have to play it. And he'll play it for maybe like an hour or two. And then he'll be like, meh, meh. Most recent case, Andrea, Horizon Forbidden West. Okay. Mm. He he played it for like an hour and a half and then he got completely turned off from it. It wasn't until I like hounded him and I'm like, sir, you need to play this. And he finally went back to it. And he's finished it, and he I haven't even finished that game yet. So he, you know, he loved it, and he really got into it. But there's so many games that he'll... Elden Ring, another example. He bought it for $60. He bought Horizon for $60. He plays them. He doesn't like them. And then he's just kind of stuck with them. So from, like, a consumer perspective, I think this is awesome. I think this is great. It just gets so tricky because, you, you know, you and I, people who have played many a video game in our day, sometimes there's, like, that weird two-hour period of the beginning... It's full of tutorials. Oftentimes, it's slower than the rest of the game. And while I think it is indicative of what the rest of the game will look like, it's not always like 100% accurate, you know? So it's like, yeah. how do you – so do you, what do you do? Do you create a whole separate game demo for this? But if so, like I think of Horizon, and if you threw me right into the balls deep, you know, 20 hours in, I wouldn't be able to wrap my head around how to, what's going on, you know, if I'm a new player to that game. But then again, if you only let me play the first two hours of that game, it's going to be slow and full of tutorials and you don't even really get out west. So it's hard, you know? Yeah, especially since I don't think, and please write to us and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think people are going to subscribe to PlayStation Plus for the demos. That to me seems counterintuitive. Like, why would you subscribe just to play a two-hour demo? Like, I mean, mm. I don't, I don't get it. So it's like this feels like a weird thing that they're doing, almost to try to compete with Steam and Steam's kind of two-hour um, policy about how you can, you know, get a get a refund. So essentially, it's like a, a two-hour demo. But I don't, I don't know. It's it's weird. It feels to me like this is like a a way for them to add added value to what they're doing to change the yeah. tier system, but it doesn't feel developer friendly. And it honestly doesn't feel like it's going to serve a lot of consumers, but it's great, I guess, for people who are already paying for PlayStation Plus. I'm like, well, if I can get a two-hour demo for a game that I was on the fence about, that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't really need that because, as you mentioned, a lot of games, you can't really tell what kind of game is going to be within the first two hours anyway. So, Yeah, I think it's a good incentive more than anything. I think the main incentive, again, maybe it's just my own little bubble I'm living in, are those older games that you can get. Um, yeah, and you know, it's just it's it sparked a lot of interesting conversations because you think about thirty four dollar price tag, and if I'm putting out a game for thirty four dollars, and let's say that my game is only five hours long, how do I feel about having to provide a two hour demo to that when that's over half of my game? And then there's that conversation of, well, if you're only putting out a five hour game, why are you releasing a thirty four dollar game? Like, well, like, what is this number? I've literally never seen a game for $34. I think that's probably why they're like, they're either going to do $29.99 or $39.99. There's no in between. I don't know. It's a weird I, ass I wonder number. If $34 correlates to a different number specifically in yen, and that's why they picked $34. Mm. But like, I'm like, there's I've literally never seen a game for thirty four dollars. It's like a like, like a random amount. Even if it's in like a clearance rack, it's not thirty four dollars. Okay, here we Where go. Did so thirty come from. So thirty three. <laughs> oh, so it's four thousand yen in Japan is what it is, and this is the wholesale price. Uh, so what that actually translates to, like, it's yeah, it's it's just an interesting it's an interesting thing. Um, oh, see, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know either. It's okay that we don't know. I think we're going to have to wait and see how this shakes out, honestly, to see how people are going to react to this. My gut says that most people on PlayStation Plus are going to keep their subscription the way it is. They're like, I'm not going in and changing it. I'm not bumping myself up to the premium tier. I think people who are on PlayStation Now and also have PlayStation Plus are probably just going to like <laughs> let it seamlessly roll into whatever it is. I think there's yeah. an opportunity, as the story mentioned, to get in and get like a discount on some of the premium tiers if you can find some of those loopholes in getting your subscriptions and kind of grandfathering yourself in. But Sony's going to close those loopholes within yeah, I the think next they're pretty six much to twelve already months. Closed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, you know, we'll see how how it works out. I'm fine to just keep my PlayStation Plus rolling as is. And the last I'm going to say about it is that I'm just bummed that they didn't do more to make it a value. Like I said previously, this is a convenience, not a value. That's mm -hmm. fine. That's fine. Whatevs. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> do you have anything else to add about these PlayStation stores? Do you want to talk about this game preservation team? Uh, fuck yes, I do. Andrew All right. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So PlayStation, ladies and gentlemen, has created a game preservation team. <laughs> Comes from IGN. So yes, like I just said, PlayStation has created a new team focusing on game preservation. Revealed by a new employee's Twitter and LinkedIn posts, the division will focus on preserving PlayStation IPs to, quote, ensure our industry's history isn't forgotten. Senior build engineer Garrett Fredley says his new role is one of PlayStation's initial hires for the, quote, newly created preservation team. And here is his tweet. Today is my first day as a senior build engineer at PlayStation, working as one of their initial hires for the, if I say fucking preservation team one more time, I'm going to go, I'm going to go wild. Someone take a shot every time I say preservation team. Um, oh, anyway, hold on. Let me find a bottle to take a shot. <laughs> they go on to say that game preservation was their first career passion so that they're ecstatic to get back to the roots. Anywho, so PlayStation Global, PlayStation Studios Global QA manager Mike Bishop hired Fredley and said in another post, 
uh, presumably about the same team, that, quote, the day-to-day focus is on IP preservation for the business, ensuring the titles of today are captured, cataloged, and secured for the games industry of tomorrow. So when I saw that, Andrew, I was like, the games of today? I was like, well, the games of like 20 years ago. But nay, nay, don't fret, baby girl. Wipe that tear off of your cheek because the story goes on and says, with Fredley being initial hire, the preservation team still appears to be in its early stages, but will seemingly focus on ensuring the longevity of PlayStation games that date as far as back as 1994 when the original console was released. Thank you. Get excited to buy all the games again. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, I... I will wave my white flag and I will buy every single one of your fucking games again if it means I never have to buy them again. You know what I mean? Like, let me carry this through the PlayStation 15. Like, let me just have. That's what this means? No. I was like, girl, come on. No, I don't. <laughs> but let me let me dream, baby. I know that's not at all what this means. Who fucking knows what this means? It's not going to mean the thing I want it to. Imagine if a video game could be like a book. And you could buy it once and literally have it forever. <laughs> Nintendo, I'm looking at you. Get your shit. To- I can't. Anyway. Yeah. Like, but for real, Andrew, there has to come a point, Andrea, where it's like you can, we have to stop rebuying these fucking games on every new console that comes yeah. that pops up. There has to be a time. Listen, I will happily throw all of my money to Earthbound. But does that mean I'm going to get a new Earthbound? Absolutely not. It just means I'm paying Nintendo. I'm adding coin to their Scrooge McDuck oasis of coin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but what's and the I, game I, for PlayStation that you would buy again? Oh, God. I'd buy Twisted Metal 2 all over again. 100%. But that's hard. You, ha- my, I think I was talking about this. My hairstylist loved that game growing up. And she and I were trying to powwow and figure out, like, what's the best way for her to get... Um, Twisted Metal 2 so she can play it again she eventually I think just bought an OG PlayStation and just bought Twisted Metal 2 because otherwise she had to get a PlayStation 3 because it's not available on PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5 I don't know it it was at the time it was very confusing Um, but there's like a whole bunch of other stuff I would 100% buy if I could play it on my PlayStation 5 now granted I'm not a subscriber to PlayStation now because I don't need to be because I feel like there's just too many things I subscribe to already like I said before but you throw Legend of the Gaia you throw Breath of Fire you throw Wild Arms you throw Twisted Metal you throw all those old RPGs on there and like I love to walk on the treadmill and play games I will play that shit all over again anyway mic drop I'm done alright well then I think game preservation is important and good obviously this is a way for them to make more money and that's fine um, if people can preserve games this digital medium struggles with that I think that that's a good thing and people who want to buy them can buy them and be happy. End of story. All Yay. Right. Let's keep a rolling. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Shopify. So Shopify is more than a store. You can connect with your customers, drive sales, and manage your day today. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses, so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility, and Shopify helped us bring one-of-a-kind custom What's Good Games merch to our supporters like those snazzy water bottles and defenders of video game city enamel pins, which, oh my god, so amazing. If you've ever thought about doing merch to support your channel, community, or business, Shopify has options for you, big and small. And because Shopify powers millions of businesses, 
from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Shopify instantly lets you accept all major payment methods, and you can synchronize your online and in-person sales. You can gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash what's good, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash what's good right now. That's shopify.com slash what's good. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Zavi. This week, we are teaming up with Zavi, the home of pop culture goodies that you can buy from the comfort of your couch. Whether you are looking to buy music, DVDs, consoles, Blu-rays, including steelbooks and other electronic items, you can be sure that Zavi has a huge selection to choose from. From exclusive clothing collections, from the biggest franchises to exclusive Blu-ray steelbooks perfect for film fans, Zavi has something for everyone. To celebrate the release of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in cinemas, they've launched a new exclusive Sonic clothing line, which is inspired by the classic game series. They've also recently released the April edition of their free digital magazine, The Lowdown, which this month features exclusive interviews with the cast and director of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, as well as a behind-the-scenes look at Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, which apparently is selling gangbusters. Zavi also has some exciting new clothing collections launching soon from properties like Fantastic Beasts, Moon Knight, Call of Duty, Zombies, and more. Take your love of video games and nerd culture to the next level with gear from Zavi, like this amazing new lamp that I got. Um, can I just for a second talk about how much I love this thing? Y'all know that the Nintendo Entertainment System was my very first video game console. And look at this lamp, you guys. I can turn it on and off. With the A and the B buttons. Ah! Brittany, look at look at what the D-pad does. So when I turn it on, if I hit the D-pad, it makes it brighter. Right? Ah. Oh. Right? I did too. And then I plugged it in and was like, functional buttons. Okay, listen, I love a good piece of merch, and Zavi has a bunch of cool pieces of merch, just like this amazing little lamp that I have on set here in Los Angeles now. So if you guys want to check out some of these amazing pieces for yourself, go to Zavi.com and check out all of their latest products and releases. Use code WGG to get 20% off clothing or 10% off other items on their site. That's Z-A-V-V-I.com and use code WGG to get 20% off clothing or 10% off other fun stuff to fill out your nerdy collections. That's Zavi.com and exclusions may apply. All right, let's continue with a few more news items. This one is very interesting. So y'all may have seen that Disney announced a new game called Disney Dreamlight Valley a free-to-play Disney Life Sim adventure revealed for PC and consoles. So obviously I need to make my traditional, <laughs> usual Your disclaimer. Weekly. 
disclosure. We, it is almost like a weekly disclaimer. I feel like I should just put it in the show notes. Like, in case you have missed it, my husband works at <laughs> Disney games. <laughs> uh, so my husband, John Drake, works at Disney. And we had a little funny exchange today, today where I tweeted about Disney Dreamlight Valley. It was like, I have questions. He wrote back, I'm in the garage. <laughs> I was like, sir, you know I can't ask you questions. Because uh, I asked him questions and he's like, oh, I can't tell you anything. And I was like, well, then... And why'd you say that? And then, thank- oh yeah. Thankfully, the the PR person at GameLoft saw our Twitter exchange. Was like, I can help you. And I was like, thank you. That's the so- thing with John Drake, ladies and gentlemen. If you ever want, listen, he's very good at Disney. He probably won't want to leave for a while, but he is very good at sticking to confidentiality. Yeah. Let me tell you. I tried grilling him today for some info. I tried it. I was like, yo, like, you want to come on the show? And he just shut me right down. Yeah. I was so rejected. But that's okay. That's a good thing. Yeah. You can very, he, you can trust John Drake. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, yes, you do. You yeah. know. Okay, so let me get this trailer rolling so we can check it out while I'm reading these details. So Disney Dreamlight Valley. Um, it, Game Off has unveiled this new Disney and Pixar project, a life sim adventure game coming in 2023. It takes place in the titular Dreamlight Valley, where a bevy of Disney and Pixar characters have lost their memories after a mysterious event called The Forgetting that has left their village full of strange plants called Night Thorns. I'm reading from IGN's article, by the way. Players will customize their own character, build friendships along the townspeople, and help them recover their lost memories. Alongside interacting with Disney villagers, players will get to customize their own homes and towns at a number of Disney-themed locales and can follow stories and minigames with characters like Goofy, Ariel, Mickey, Simba, Moana, Remy, and more. There's fishing and cooking activities, too, and lots of outfits to customize characters with inspired by various Disney properties. Dreamlight Valley is being developed by Gameloft and is set for release in 2023 as a free-to-play experience for Nintendo Switch, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, PC, Mac via Steam, Epic Game Store, Microsoft Store, and the App Store. Holy shit. An early access release is planned this summer and will be made available to those who purchase a Founders Pack or any Xbox, Xbox Game Pass members. Ooh. And we at IGN got an early look at it. So... This is something that um, I actually pulled up the IGN article because I didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to fully look at it. But they wrote really that they good. are already optimistic about the level of customization available, replayability, and fairly non-aggressive monetization, and the future potential for more and more Disney characters and worlds to make their appearance. Uh. I mean, listen, y'all know that I got into a crazy... Animal Crossing rabbit hole, almost 800 hours deep, like way more than I ever anticipated playing because I anticipated playing zero of it. And then I played all of it. I played played it until I was dead uh, on the weekends and at night up until 3 a.m. rearranging my flower gardens. And actually, now that I say this out loud, I miss I miss it. I miss doing that. <laughs> I miss video games oh. in general, Andrea. Yes. You know what? Same same girl, same. We we share that same energy. So this game to me, on its face, you tell me Disney, you tell me Disney Animal Crossing, and I go, I'm in. I love Disney properties. I love Animal Crossing and the customization. I just don't understand how those two things can actually work. I think some of my outstanding questions that I really need answered are 
What is the multiplayer component going to look like? Can I trade items? Because if you can't trade items, like that, I think is going to be like a giant fucking bummer. So there's got to be some way to do that because I think Animal Crossing was able to build the community that it did and have the sustainability and the longevity that it did because of the multiplayer component, as shitty as the multiplayer connectivity was. And I'm not going to go on a rant about that right now. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Gameloft handles all of these different platforms. I truly hope that if they do and they should add a multiplayer component, that it's going to be cross-platform. With Disney money behind a game like this, like why wouldn't you not do cross-play? Right? It just feels like it's a, a thing that would really help propel your community to wanting to spend more time in the game. Now, obviously you hear free-to-play and I kind of like tense up a little bit, a little butthole clench and I'm like, oh no, it's a free-to-play game that's multi-platform. Mm-hmm. That to me instantly equals a lot of small mini microtransactions that are egregious and harmful to the overall gameplay experience. Now, Britt, you and I have both said we have no problem with custom or excuse me, cosmetic microtransactions. If it's purely about I want to look cool and fancy, like we'll both spend money to look cool and fancy in games and have no problem doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that goes for this as well. I think what's tough about Disney is that the idea that we're going to have specific properties of stuff locked behind a paywall, what the sliding scale of that paywall looks like is kind of where I go, oh, no, this feels kind of like, I don't know, it could be bad. Because I was really hoping that Nintendo did really well with their free-to-play mobile games, and they didn't. Like, the the in-game economy was trash, and the monetization was bad. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that Gameloft is going to get this right. Yeah, so I saw Disney. I saw Animal Crossing. I saw Free to Play. At first, I was just turned off, Andrea. Just I was going to give you. I was, <laughs> I was like, gonna this make is a, hitting none of my triggers. And I'm like, it's hitting all of mine. Right. I, I was going to make a very <laughs> lewd comparison, but I'm not. And then I read this article from IGN. And girl, I am hot and bothered for this game. Mm, mm. I, am, I read more. this article. So speaking specifically to your concerns, as were mine, about the monetization. So here's the little paragraph from IGN. So it is. So how will this free-to-play game make money? There won't be many opportunities to spend real money in the beginning. Aside from purchasing the Early Access Founders Pack, you will also be able to access the game, like we said, if you have Game Pass. I, the author, was happy to learn you can't spend real money to speed up processes like growing crops. <gasps> crops growing! And all the items that you would buy in Scrooge McDuck's shop can only be purchased with in-game currency. Gameloft did tell me that while the Realm experiences will be free, they do plan to sell the expansion packs and even more options for cosmetics in the future. So, like, so far, it sounds okay. Now, granted, because this is the first major preview, you know, they're not going to air all their little dirty laundry, I think, out the gate. So I'm with you. Like, I'm cautiously optimistic about this. But as I was reading this, I was like, this just sounds so perfect right now. And this is coming from the bitch who's thinking about trying Elden Ring tonight. Okay. Like, this sounds like... Mm, Go on. No, just kidding. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm reading about this game, and the the things it's talking about... Like, listen, when you're talking Disney, for the most part, you're talking happy, upbeat experiences. And that just sounds so 
good and so needed. Time that like, and then you add Animal Crossing, you add growing crops, you add crafting, you add customization, you add this like kind of curious multiplayer. What's that going to mean? You add these different realms and all these characters. Like it just sounds like such a good time right now. And I want it and I need it. And just, I would highly encourage everybody to read this IGN article because it's a really, really deep dive. And I have some notes copying. You can fish, for example, Andrew. You can also fish in this game. I really like, I have- like never need to fish in a video game again. Can I just say that out loud? I really just don't care about fishing mini games. If I have to do them like I did in Animal Crossing to like get the things, I'll do it. But Brittany's, Brittany's going to get up and walk away. She's left the show. She will no longer host with me anymore. Uh, um, I live for a good fishing minigame, but that's okay. I Opposite know you do. I know you do. I would fish IRL with you any day of the week. But oh, like, hell yeah, girl. But like, I just, I ain't got time for fishing minigame. All right. See, like, this is the shit that, it's not even so much Disney as much as it is like the crafty, the fishing. Like, the, the, yeah. that's what gets me going. Um, but anyway, yeah, like, definitely read this article because it's very long and as well, that's what she said. And while I do have a lot of notes here, it would take me forever to read through them. But it gives a really yeah. good, it paints a really nice picture of like what this game is going to be all about. And yeah. so now I, I am all for it now. Oh, yeah. Sign me up, man. I am a little disappointed that they didn't do like a, a big reveal of yeah. the gameplay and instead locked it behind this IGN preview, which I mean, good for IGN. Like they you are usually the person that is debuting like a preview like this. But I'm like, why did you not just like show more of the game in the reveal? So like some of the other stuff they say in the IGN preview is the main storyline of the um, campaign is said to be about 40 to 60 hours of gameplay, which is healthy. But once you fill out the valley with all the characters you've rescued, you'll have so much more to do post-game. Mm-hmm. Each character has their own unique quest line and story arc, which can be leveled up to give you their own rewards. I watched the cast it ping Goofy's icon on the map to reveal a magic trail leading you to where Goofy currently is in the valley. Needs help finding his fishing rod. And once you find it, of course, um, gives you a better fishing rod and unlocks a whole new world of gameplay. So um, I think... This has so much potential. Are you raising your? Are you raising your? Hand? I am raising my hand. It's just you he, and me. <laughs> it's just me. I know, but see, I don't want to really interrupt. I've been conditioned to raise my hand when I want to speak. Um. Okay. Oh. So here's the other thing, is you can create your own character in this game, and I have a, a paragraph about here. I don't know where it is. I can't find it. But yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh no, that's a house. Anyway, yes, you make your own character. What I want to do, Andrea, all I need to feel to feel fulfilled in this life, since Goofy's in this. I want to dance on a virtual stage to Eye to Eye from a Goofy movie. Oh, shit. Stand out. Do you think out, that's going to be possible, though? Oh, it fucking better be or I'm firing your husband. I don't have the authority Listen, to do it, but I'm he doing doesn't, it. He's not making the game. You gotta I don't care. Off, okay? It doesn't matter. If I was, geez, John Drake, he has the power of a thousand sons, Andrea, at Disney. We all Listen, know let's, this. Let's he not runs Disney. his ego too much, okay? I still have to live with the man. You know, I don't. So that's why it works out just fine. Um, oh. Yeah. Like, listen, John, make it happen, please. Like, I, I will forever be whatever you whatever. I will send you your favorite candy every month. I will rank on Andrea every month if you want me to. Hey, just make it happen. Let's not put that on the table. All right. Like, we don't <laughs> we don't need that. Um, <laughs> but so I'm very I, excited. I'm very excited, too. I think my. The reason I. <laughs> That I'm like tempering my excitement before I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Because like I'm like 
love, 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 love Disney. I've been a, a Disney like fangirl since I was a kid. Like most of us out there, right? Like mm-hmm, a lot of us mm-hmm. are like I grew up and live and breathe Disney, and I've literally watched Encanto every day for the last like two hundred <laughs> days. So um, I could literally recite all of the songs word for word now. Anywho, Encanto is not part of the game as they've announced it so far, but uh, I have high hopes and high expectations and game loft has done some great stuff in the past and i think that this could be really great i'm just nervous about the way the free-to-play aspect of the game sure. is gonna go right because i think sure there's a happy medium between what animal crossing did and what game loft is attempting to do and i don't know if we're gonna hit that the happy medium because i yeah. think about like animal crossing um, the mobile game. Oh, happy. Yeah, no. Something camp. Oh my gosh. What is the name of it? Animal Crossing camp. Come on, Google. Don't let me down. A pocket camp. Pocket camp. And I think that that game is, is pretty good for a mobile game, but like it does get a little like a little repetitive with like, give us more money, give us more money. And there's a lot of, it's hard to manage all the in-game economies and the different kinds of microtransactions that are happening in that game, but they do it pretty well. It doesn't feel super egregious, but some of the other ones are. And so I'm, I really just, I'm going to have to play it and see the in-game economy before. So it goes into early access this summer, I believe is what they announced. I reached out to PR and was like, do you have a more specific date and I haven't heard back yet, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. If we're going to like be real here, like I love getting hype. Everyone knows I'm all aboard the hype trains 24 seven. Yeah, there, there is that concern of like, A, it is free to play. Ultimately, it is free to play. And where is that sliding scale? And then also, you know, it it is Disney and you have to wonder how much can they lean on their Disney, pre- their Disney presence, you know, with their characters and their IP and the experiences. A lot. They can lean right. a lot. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So that's it. Like Animal Crossing was just so – it's besides the online shit. Like I could – even though it wasn't like my thing, like I know they, they were just they're, – they're masterful at what they do. Like it, it's, right. there's a reason that game is so fucking popular and so wildly successful. And when you see like this is obviously – Animal Crossing is obviously a, a direct inspiration for this game that Disney's making. And so how many corners are they going to cut and get and try to quote get away with? Because, again, like, you know, they can lead on that. It's fucking Disney. So we'll just have to see. Like, we'll we'll wait and see. I do wish this was a paid game um, in the sense that, you know, I feel like it would make me feel a little bit better about it. I think we're all just kind of, you know, being in this industry for so long, we see free to play. We just kind of clench our asses a little bit instinctively. But you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I am encouraged by the fact that they're doing early access on Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I think that is a great way to get people into the ecosystem and let them try it without charging them to get a Founders Pack. Though I have no doubt there will be plenty of people who don't mind buying a Founders Pack because Disney has no shortage of super fans who pay thousands and thousands of dollars for Disney stuff every year. Um, And it'll be interesting to see maybe if this will span different kinds of gamers because I feel like Animal Crossing was obviously a very popular game across a bunch of different kinds of casual gamers from the sense of, hey, I play like Life Sims and maybe this is the only style of game I play. Whereas Disney kind of reaches even further 
So mm-hmm. I'm, this game could really blow up in a big way if it's and really And it's on good. every platform under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> so. Because, I mean, we're talking, we're over 25 million copies of Animal, no, 35 million copies of Animal Crossing sold. I haven't looked at, at, the, at the most recent number. Animal Crossing, according to the first thing that I found here at Video Game Chronicle, said over 31 million copies globally as of December 2020. Oh, fuck. That's a lot of copies. Okay, because I was going to yeah. say 10 million, which would be a, a huge success. But I'm like, well, it's Disney and it's on every platform under the sun. So de- it's so hard, depending on what we see from this game. Because we don't like close, we haven't seen much of anything about it, right? We're just seeing all the beautiful shit of it, right? Well, also, it's free to play. So you can install it and play for free. Uh, so you're not really buying it. Yeah. See, that's a whole nother factor. Mm-mm-mm. Daily active users, I think, is what they're going for. Yeah. That's like what the free-to-play people want. Anywho, we've been belaboring this a little bit, but I'm excited for this because I never was into the life sim category until I played Animal Crossing. And now that I have, I'm intrigued. And Disney mm-hmm. is just like, like obviously, you know, makes my antenna go. I'm ready to go. Okay. Moving on, we have just a couple more things to talk about. And by a couple more things to talk about, the thing that Brittany literally highlighted in rainbow on our show notes. She's never done this in the history of What's Good Games. Has never done a rainbow highlight. That's how excited she is about this next story. So, Brittany, please take it away. Oh, I'm so spoiled. All right. <clears throat> a new Yakuza game may be revealed soon. <clears throat> Excuse me? Okay, this comes from Comic Book. Um, I've seen it on a whole bunch of other platforms, or platforms, websites, whatever. We're going to go with this one. A new game in Sega's Yakuza series may be announced before April has come to a close. Sega and developer RGG Studio has already announced in late 2021 that they were in the process of working on a sequel to Like a Dragon, but failed to say much more about the project. Luckily, thanks to a new stream that will be held later this week, aka that is going to be Friday the 29th of April, the day this podcast comes out. It looks like we're soon going to see what the future of the franchise will have in store. Spotted by Tojo Tojo Dojo. Lovely folks. Uh, Sega will be hosting a new video event that will focus entirely on Yakuza. The stream is set to feature the director of the Yakuza series, Masayoshi Yokoyama, and will focus on details related to the future of the franchise. So... I saw this earlier this week. Now, I don't know when the exact time is going to be for those in the United States because it's going to be in Japan. It's going to be an all Japanese live stream. And so I'm sure the timing is going to be kind of like off for us. But that's okay. Like we can all just watch it anyway. Andrea, this is really exciting for multiple reasons. And when I said I was spoiled at the top of this I am so, we are spoiled as RGG fans. Since 2015, we have gotten some sort of. 2015? No, I think it's 2017. I might be exaggerating. Either way, it's 2017. Doesn't matter. For a long time, we've been getting annual Yakuza goodness. If it's not Kiwami, it's Judgment. If it's not the remaster of Yakuza 4 and 5, it's, it's Lost Judgment. Or it's the Kaito Files, which is just, what we just got like a few weeks ago. We are getting so much content, and I want more. I can't stop. I am addicted. So here are like the things that I want to see. We already know a sequel to Like a Dragon, a.k.a. Yakuza 8 is what I think they're calling it, is in works. We know that's happening. We also know that they're working on something new that I think is not related to any of the other Yakuza games that we've ever seen before. So that's also very exciting. But there are some games that have never been localized for the West. 
that I feel like RGG has been holding off on publishing in the West because, I mean, look, I feel like it took a long time for Yakuza to kind of go air quote mainstream, and I even use that term lightly here, uh, because, you know, it is such a niche thing, and the culture is so heavily in, in the Japanese culture, and a lot of all the Yakuza games are purely in Japanese, and that turns a lot of people off. But I feel like with the introduction of Yakuza on Game Pass, it's really broadened their audience. Um, I am one of those people. And here we go. So there's here are the games I'd love to see. I want an announcement of one of these. One of them is RGG Kenzen, which is translated to Like a Dragon Arrives. So this launched in 2008 for the PS3, and it's set in the Edo period, which is 1605. And so what's interesting about this is they took the character models, and this is the Britney show right now, they took the character models from Yakuza, so you have Kiro, Kiro, excuse me, and... It is the Britney show. I just came back to let you know that I'm still here, but I'm just, I'm just listening. Okay, don't fuck with my flow, baby girl. I love you, but I'm on a roll right now. Okay, and so it looks like Kiru, but the thing is, he's he's donned an appropriate garb and hair for that time period, and it's a whole new story. He has a different, whole different name, but it's just like a fun little spinoff. Okay, cool. Then we have RGG Ishin, which is, I think, the one that most people want, because my husband, Goro Majima, also makes an appearance in here in this game. This one came out in 2014 for PS3 and PS4, and this takes place in the Bakumatsu period, which is 1853 to 18. 1967. And like I said, same character models, just different names and an entirely different story from Kenzen. And then there's RGG Online, which just came out, oh god, I feel like a few years ago. In any way, Ichiban's in it. Cool. I, and there she's crunching into the microphone, so I know she's living her best life. I just want something, I want, oh my god, if we got one of those Kiwami styled, which would mean that it's kind of like a complete remake, kind of like they did with Kiwami 1 and Kiwami 2. I would shit bricks. Little bricks would emerge from my nether regions, Andrea, and it would be very painful, but it would be very worth it. Um, or even if they Kiwamified Yakuza 3, which really needs it because it's really rough, that would be fucking fantastic. And I think that's the one that could probably use it the most because that game, like I said, is rough. And they've done Yakuza 0, Kiwami, Kiwami 2. Why not do Kiwami 3? Just throwing it out there. <sighs> All right. I'll be back next week to report on what we had. I wasn't done with my pretzels, Brittany. You need to keep going. <laughs> I just want to see, I need more Goromajima content is literally what I need in my life. I, I, I don't care. Just give me my husband. He's my main husband right there. So <sighs> I, I pulled up RGG's development timeline for the last 10 years. So starting in 2012, that's <clears throat> when Yakuza 5 was released on PS3. Okay. And then Yakuza 0 was PS3, PS4. Kiwami, PS3, PS4. 2016, um, Yakuza 6 came out. 2017, Kiwami 2. 2018, Yakuza 3 Remastered. And Judgment. And then also 2018 being judgment is just a little wild to me. I was like, wait, where, what is time? What is time? Uh, right. Right. Um, because that's when I, I remember seeing judgment at Tokyo game show. And I was like, that literally was 2018. I was like, no, it must've been later. Right. Like, yeah, it wasn't that, that long. Was one of my, <laughs> that was also that one of my game of the years. Can you believe it? No, it's absolutely wild. 
and I think the thing I want the most, Andrea, in, in the Ishin remaster, is I'm going to send you a video clip. And if it's too complicated to show, that's fine. If you were like, listen, I can't make this happen, but I know you're an amazing producer. Um, start it from, it should start automatically from the one minute and 22 second mark. But this is the part that I want to see the I'll, most. I'll pull it up, but you do realize that we're probably going to get a content ID on this. That's It's worth it, I promise. It's worth <laughs> us foregoing okay. the $20 we're going to make from this video anyway, I promise. All right. <laughs> you are going to be so moved from what you're about to see. And if any of you are listening, you know I'm talking about the bath fight. Oh, yeah. Look at this. <laughs> oh, yeah, girl. Wait, smack wait, it. Wait, what the fuck is happening in this clip? <laughs> What is this? What is this? <laughs> you know, Brittany drops I, this gameplay of these two <laughs> men naked two men. in a bathhouse <clears throat> with like tufts of steam covering their nether bits. Andrea, and that's Kiryu and Ryuji. Each other. Uh, yes, it's a manly man fight. Like that is Kiryu and Ryuji, and they are having a fight. I don't know the context of this fight because I've never played this game, and I've never looked into what is happening here because I want—I I have hopes and dreams and ambitions of this game coming to the West. Um, so yeah, like this is the scene I'm most excited about. Um, so I'm now glad that you've been able to see it, and our audience has been able to see it. Cool. Don't you I love mean, just having me? Listen, I'm happy that this makes you happy. Oh, it makes me so happy. <laughs> I was trying to figure out and remember when you first played your first Yakuza game. Because this is a relatively recent, like, love that you've fallen into, right? Yeah, yeah. So I first played Yakuza 0 in 2015. I played it for, gosh, I would say, like, 20 to 30 hours or so and then I got and I loved it but then I got sidetracked with another release title at the time um it wasn't until 2020 when I was sick as balls from PAX East that I revisited because I never forgot about Yakuza 0 I always remembered and I always wanted to get back to it I just never did game they all the games were on game pass right yeah so no okay let me first that was a year later right yeah, so Yakuza 0 came to the West in 2017, I believe. I, I'm looking at 2015. I think that was the Japanese release date because now they do these um, release dates concurrently. But at the time, they did not. So anyway, 2017. Um, I never forgot about the game. And then when I was sick, I was like, God, that game sounds good, which is wild that I remembered it for three years. And I went back and I played it. And it was around that time, yeah, that they had just released. Because then after I played Yakuza 0, I played it on Xbox. And then I played Kiwami and Kiwami 2, I believe, on Xbox as well. I think it was. But then I played 3, 4, 5, and 6. I had to play on PlayStation because at that time, those titles weren't available on Xbox. So, yeah, it was, like, really good timing. It was right around that time that they were put on um, Game Pass. And, yeah, I played literally all those games in two months. I remember when you fell down your, you know, husbando rabbit hole and you were just like, can we always talk about Yakuza? (laughs) (laughs) And I was oh, like, you man. do what makes you happy. But I'm glad yeah. that, you know, there's more coming. Clearly, the studio is very prolific and is making a lot and making stuff happen. And, you know, I think I, I think I'm going to have to eventually try it. I was very, not surprised, but maybe comforted is the word I'm looking for, that when Steimer played 
What did she play? Did she play Kiwami or did she play Zero? Which one of the Yakuza games did she play? And she was like, oh, now God. I get it. Do you remember? I, I, I do remember. I, I remember her talking about that, but I don't remember which one she played. I know she tried Judgment for a little bit, but then it wasn't It wasn't until Judgment. I, it was actually one of the Yakuza games. Right. So she played Judgment when I was talking about it in 2018, but then it wasn't until I went down my rabbit hole that she actually played a Yakuza game. Right? I feel and like she, she played it in 2021. Right? She did. Yeah, yeah. She played the yeah. It was did. like a dragon. That was the one she played. Yeah, she oh yes. Yes. That's yes. the one. Because I know she the also went back the weird like like uh um jobs you could do, right? Mm-hmm. She also played Zero for a little bit too. So that's I'm thinking of Judgment and Zero that she did dabble with, but then she really spent a lot of time with like a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Good girl, Steimer. That's my <sighs> waifu. We miss you, Steimer. Come back, Steimer. Mm-hmm. She's not going to come back. I just talked to her. She's loving Germany. Everything's great. In case you were wondering how Steimer is doing, she's doing She's excellent. doing fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. We have a couple in case you missed it. Diablo Immortal has finally has a release date. I have to admit, I forgot about this game. <laughs> forgot about it. Uh, June 2nd. Not only that, it will also be free to play for Windows PC upon launch in open beta. Splatoon 3 also has a release date. September 9th, Nintendo has announced that Splatoon 2 Octo Expansion DLC will be, quote, free to Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pass members. Did you add those quotes? Yep. It's free because obviously you have to pay for that subscription. Yeah. So it's not yeah. It's like us when we say something's free to Game Pass. It's not free because you have to pay. You know, you guys get it. Anyhow, Halo Infinite's campaign co-op is hopefully, maybe, fingers crossed, <laughs> butt clench, mm, coming in <gasps> late August. Ooh. Ooh. According to Halo Infinite's 2022 roadmap. So did you watch the live stream that they had? Mm-mm. I did not. You're like, I got a baby I'm looking after. I ain't got time for love. Real talk, I, all I care about is the Halo co-op. Like, yeah. that's literally all I give a rat's ass about. I'll, I'll admit it. I know as a person who podcasts about video games, I'm supposed to pretend to care about everything. But listen, I ain't got time for that. Just give we me my it. co-op. Yeah. You and I have both talked about this on the show before. I feel like we just need developers to be confident in the dates that they're giving or just don't give a date. Stop giving us hope. If it's under development, just let it be under development. We, as your fans, will wait until it's ready. We don't want you to crunch. We don't want you to stress. We just want it to be good and not broken. Yeah. So don't tell us it's going to come in August if you're like, well, maybe, but really, it'd be better if it happened in December. That's fine. Just stop putting a date on it and just say we're working on it. I, I do so appreciate upset. that CDPR is doing that now when they're just like, it's not ready. It'll be ready sometime. <laughs> I mean, if, one, if one publisher and developer should have learned their lesson, I'm glad they did. You yeah. know what I mean? Yay. Good for you. It was a very expensive lesson that they learned. Uh, and Sifu is getting difficulty options as part of its 2022 content roadmap coming May 3rd. The difficulties will be offered as student, disciple, and master. Student all the way, baby. That's a little editorial yeah. by yours, truly. I, I remember like when Rhea was talking about Sifu. She really sold me on it, but she did say, you know, you have to have patience and it's a little difficult. And I was like, fuck. You're like, no, thank you, hard mode. That no, thank you, hard mode. I appreciate. So I think this is awesome. I mean, like, I, you know, you hear rarely about games implementing different difficulty options in their game post-launch. And I'm happy that Sifu is doing it. Hear that, Nam Pimento? Yeah, Ooh. 
Oh, yes. So uh, speaking of which, we're not going to do a full What You've Been Playing segment this week because I was at, speaking of Re, I was at one Rihanna Manuel Pena. She's got a new hyphenated last name now. Ooh, um, her wedding in Las Vegas over this past weekend. So I wasn't playing any video games, but I can tell you about some slot machines that I played in just a second. But I also was preparing for Games Beat Summit, which I'll talk about. But we talked about you and Elden Ring, and you were tweeting about oh, Jason yeah. playing. And then you're like, I think I want to play. And I was like, oh, really? That, that was the perfect gif, the Willy Wonka overly <laughs> gif. Yeah. And so he, he, I, he, I can't, you know, I've been with Jason for like 12 years. I can't predict what that motherfucker's going to like when it comes to video games. I can't. He's such a mixed bag. And so he's been asking. He's like, yo, do you think I'll like Elden Ring? I said, well, you like difficult combat. You like open world exploration. You love like medieval fantasy themes. I think you'll love it. Oh, spoilers. He doesn't like it. But I got... <laughs> God, I'm telling you. Um, so, I, But I was watching him play because I haven't really seen any true gameplay footage other than what we've shown on the show and from what like you've talked about. But I'm watching him play and I'm like, God, this looks fun. I was like, this looks fun. It, but his problem is he was just rushing. He tried to take on the first ass you see in it on a horse i don't know when you're first like the drop tree sentinel yeah he tried taking that on you can you can imagine how that went but Poorly. then he was <laughs> <laughs> yep and then he was trying to take on this big and i'm i'm wondering andrea if this is the two fingers butthole boss that alexa was talking about because it just literally dropped from the sky and it whacked him and killed him but once he got the combat down i'm like you can grind here a little bit oh you can probably grind over there you can grind over there and once you upgrade that and i was like man and then I asked Twitter, I said, can you grind? Can you become OP? And I know you've of talked about it as well. Yes. And I know you talked about it. I was like, but I wanted to know, can you get super OP? And everyone was like, yeah, sure. I'm like, great. Like, I want to give it well, a shot. Yes, yes and no. Right? Like, okay. I And like, sh like I'm sure, <laughs> again, the disclaimer that Souls Bros don't come at me. Like, Elden Ring, <laughs> from my experience playing about 20 to 30 hours now, which obviously isn't the hundreds and hundreds of hours, if not thousands of hours other people have played at this point since the game's been out for a couple of months now. Um, or a month and a half, six weeks, eight weeks, I don't know, time. <laughs> Is that you can't become OP in Elden Ring the way you can become OP in literally almost any other RPG. Mm -hmm. Because from software games are just not built that way. You can definitely like grind specific builds and work cheeses because it's a game with bugs and plentiful bugs depending on what platform you're on. But there's a difference, I think, between saying you're grinding towards an OP build and you're just working cheeses, right? Like to me, mm -hmm. like when you're saying like, oh, I'm going to become OP and I'm going to come in and like one shot specific enemies – versus like, oh, I have to like hide in a specific area or use a specific technique – that those to me are two different gameplay styles, and I don't think either of them are bad. I have literally zero problem with cheesing. By the way, I love cheeses. <laughs> Give them all to me. I will hide behind the rock and like pew pew you from a distance if it means I can like survive. Like I don't care. But Elden Ring is not the game where you're gonna like quickly grind and like be able to feel like you're really powerful. It's just not that game. You have to probably sink a solid twenty hours in of like tedious grinding just to like feel OP in the first area's enemies and not the yeah, first see. area's bosses the first area's like 
regular enemies. Yeah, that's and that's how tough the game is. Okay, and see, like that's kind of like my my fear. But regardless, I'm gonna give it a shot because I want to be able to talk about the thing everybody and their fucking mom is and talking you, about. Honestly, this is, you talked you and I talked about Portal being one of those games that every gamer needs to play. I don't think that Elden Ring is a game that every gamer needs to play because I, as I've said previously, I feel like the game is broken in a variety of other ways. But I think you, as somebody who works professionally in video games, should spend some time in it and check it out because it yeah. is the water cooler game of the year. Right. And that's it. And we know this game is going to win ass loads of awards. And so I want to be able to be like, yeah, I played that game for 87 minutes. Um, but <laughs> a specific number. What a very specific number. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a shot. I'm also dabbling in Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Or is it called Stranger of Origin Final Fantasy? I can't it's fucking It's called this. Stranger of Paradise. Okay, cool. It's like Birds of Paradise. I'll remember that now. Uh, and yeah, I mean, so I started playing in Japanese because that's what I like to do. But then I was kind of, like, not getting the impact of how many times the main character says chaos, like Alexis talked about. <laughs> I, I was like, I feel like she tried to warn uh, you. <laughs> I, she, yeah, so I was, but I wasn't getting the full effect. So I turned that bitch into English, and oh, my God. Like, I'm maybe an hour and a half, two hours in, but she's not bullshitting. It's all about chaos. I'm here to kill chaos. Oh, chaos. Chaos. Take me out back and screw me, chaos. So, like, I, it's, it's so fucking <laughs> It's hilarious. And I'm just it's sitting there like. Back <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like oh real talk. Goodness. I wouldn't be surprised if that comes out of his mouth. So, yeah, um, I'm playing it. It's OK so far. It's definitely not like the Final Fantasy that I know and love. But um, I'm going to keep giving it a shot. So that game and Elden Ring are on my to do list. So hopefully I'll be able to play it's so wild to me, Andrea. I know you can relate with this. I can't remember the last time I sat down and spent a substantial amount of time with video games. It's so yeah. – it's weird because it's like it's, – it's our job. It's our career. And it's also the way I decompress and unwind. But I'm finding myself trying to prioritize house projects or prioritize other stuff during the day that I just don't get to get done. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe the pile of dishes. Maybe the laundry. Like, I don't know. And so I'm sitting yeah. here and I'm like, why am I so agitated? Why am I so irritable right now? And it's like, because I haven't treated myself to the one thing that I love the most, which is play games. It's it's weird. You know what I mean? On the deepest level, do I know what you mean? Absolutely. Yeah. It's It's been really tough. And I think a lot of it has to do with where our babies are at in their development and I appreciate so much that people have reached out to us to say thank you for talking about what it means to be a parent and be a gamer and the fact that you guys are at where I'm at with my child or I vividly remember being at that point that you're at when I had my baby. Like It means a lot that we kind of had this shared experience. So thank you to everybody who's taken the time mm -hmm. to kind of write those messages to us because it, I think, helps get us through and remind us that like obviously there are lots of gamers who yes. are parents out there a lot of you have gone through what Brittany and I have gone through and it's tough because both babies are about to be one which is also another like mind fuck to be like oh my god it's been a year it's been almost How? a year since our babies were born and they're at that age where they're moving around a lot and they require a lot of hands-on attention throughout the day and both you and I 
don't have full-time childcare because childcare is still wildly expensive and incredibly difficult to find. And even if you have the money to pay for childcare, a lot of times you can't get it. It's like, it's one of those things that's really challenging. There was a friend of mine just, you know, mentioned an article that came out recently about the childcare problem in the United States. And I know a lot of you out there that have kids are feeling the pressure and it's really tough. And I think both Brittany and I are struggling with this work-life mm-hmm. balance that a lot of parents have been struggling with during the pandemic and even before the pandemic of like, do I sacrifice my career or my job to be a parent or do I try to make it work and then have to pay through the nose for childcare? And it's just really frustrating because we at, in the United States should have a better option and we don't. And I'm not going to make this this podcast about childcare and all the ways that the United States is failing parents, but mm-hmm. every parent out there listening, it hopefully held their hand up like Brittany did just now. It was like, thank you. I need fucking help. <laughs> Somebody fucking help me. Uh, Goddamn help. I just need a little help. That's all. <laughs> and I get that there's that argument out there of people who are like, well, I don't have kids. Why should I have to pay for you to have kids? And I was like, well, Who the fuck is going to make your hamburgers at McDonald's? Who's going to make your fucking lattes at Starbucks? Who's going to wash the car? I'm just going to drink my whiskey. I'm like, who's going to do all the shit? Somebody's got to have the kids. If you want to protect them, somebody's got to have them. Then somebody has to take care of them. This idea of it takes a village isn't a new thing. It's humanity. It's how we keep surviving. Anyway. I'm done on oh. my fucking little soapbox. Oh, All that was so therapeutic. Like, oh, thank you. Ooh, we girl. just need some help. Parents just need a little help right now. Okay? So if you know somebody <sighs> in your life that you care about, that you love, that has a child, just check in on them. Just be like, hey, how are you doing? Can I help you? Can I maybe come over and just watch your child for like an hour or two so you can like, even if you just want to go to the other room and lay in bed and scroll <laughs> TikTok? That you just oh. don't have to like watch your child. Just check in on your friends with kids and make sure yeah. that they're doing okay. Because they're probably not. They're probably stressed the fuck out. And if you don't know how to operate kids, like <laughs> I didn't before my own kid, maybe they just need a load of laundry. That might, you know, that might help a lot. Or maybe sure. some dishes could be put away. I don't know. Or maybe some fucking dog hair could be vacuumed up. Who could say? <laughs> Literally anything <laughs> to like help out a friend that has a kid. Because uh. you've decided like kids aren't in your plan and that's 100% okay and absolutely all right. and better for the planet actually but we definitely need people younger than us to like keep the world running when we're frail and old like, yeah like now <laughs> oh god so yeah it's my goal to try to play something this weekend like to literally to try and that's so wild to say but that's my goal yeah it's my goal i believe in you and your ability to get that done thanks you can do it sometimes it's okay to just leave the dirty dishes in the sink or leave the clothes on the floor I had to tell myself that today (laughs) like (laughs) I got back from Brianna's wedding and then I went straight into Games Beat Summit which by the way was phenomenal we had this amazing women in gaming breakfast Mm. with a topic on engineering inclusivity and we got to hear from some amazing women who are CEOs and COOs in the gaming space, which is so rare about how they foster inclusive spaces and 
I personally was really excited to reconnect with Tanya Watson, who is the COO and president of Bad Robot Games, because I got to do a lot of work with her at Squanch Games. When she was there, um, I got to host some stuff for them at PAX, and it was really great working with them. But just kind of hearing how women are taking roles of leadership and really trying to empower other people who are disenfranchised to say, hey, you deserve a spot here and you deserve a powerful spot here and what other women in the industry are doing to kind of uplift not only women, but other people mm. like LGBTQ, BIPOC, other people that are, we clearly need to hear from and need to have a voice but aren't getting you know seats at the, at the high table, so to speak. So it was a really great experience, and I really loved being part of Gamesbeat, and I thank VentureBeat and Gamesbeat for always having me back. But I was doing it was a great lot of preparation to see for you. that. So. I was going to say, it was great to see you sitting on a panel. I saw the photo you tweeted, and I was like, oh, my God. Was it you tweeted? Someone tweeted a photo, and I was like, that's my girl Andrea sitting on a panel. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Times. It felt good to do an IRL you know, because we had this is now the fourth Women in Gaming Breakfast that we've done, but it was the first IRL one. It was funny because Dean Takahashi, who is the lead writer over at Gamesbeat and the person who organizes all of the summit, made the joke of it's the first time we've actually had to provide food for the breakfast. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, we got to eat fruit together in person. Yay. <laughs> oh man. This mini chocolate croissant is delicious. Ooh. But it was um it was really great to see people and they ended the day. There was a lot of talk. So and Danny Pena of Gamer Tag Radio Radio, who we've had on the show uh, several times, also the game's editorial lead over at G4, who was wonderful, emceed the other two days of the conference, but he also did the keynote with Reggie Fizame, which was wonderful. Nice. Um, he was great. Um, the end of the day, though, was an NFT debate, which I was oh. like, everyone was like, ooh, what, what's going to happen in the NFT debate at GameSpeed Summit? Um, and it was a, a really fun one. You guys can check out all of the VODs of everything if you guys are interested at uh, GameSpeedSummit.com. But that's all I'm going to say about that. <sighs> I'm We're going to play some games. I have everything in my queue. If you want to play Elden Ring, are you playing on PlayStation? Oh, I am playing on Xbox. I have You froze. are frozen in a really hey, nice Hey, at least smile. it's a good... <laughs> I was going to say that never happens. I'm always like... Ugh! So it's great that it, it actually great. happened for once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I play it on Xbox because what I have learned, Andrew Renee, is that I cannot handle a PlayStation 5 controller for like dozens and dozens and dozens of hours at a time because my hand oh, cramps. Oh, no, really? Oh, yeah. We talked yeah. about this, it's, though. We have. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have uh, I have my arthritis cream <laughs> near me on the t- on the table and it helps but if i can help it i try to play an xbox because it just you know yeah it's better but for the you old. do realize this is the this is a pregnancy thing this is a postpartum thing you know i would i would agree with you but it runs in my family and every woman in my family has it really bad starting around my age is when they got their first symptoms so yeah. well yeah you know it's okay it's okay i'm gonna make it work that's all. My grandma, listen, my grandma's 81 years old. Her hands hurt her like hell. But listen, she still plays Dark Cloud every fucking day. So that's what I aspire to be. That is some fucking commitment. Oh, yeah. Badass. Yeah. Uh, 
When are we getting your grandma on the show again? Oh my god, I know. First of all, she needs huh? to learn what a she doesn't even know what a podcast is. First and foremost, so I'll start she there. She doesn't need to know what a podcast is. <laughs> all we need to do is put a headset mic on her, put the mic in front of her mouth, so she doesn't have to worry about this. Oh, oh Brittany, come on, we can get her on, right? I think it would be really fun. I'll have to. I'll I would have love to, talk- to have your grandmother on the show. I know it would be so fun. We could talk to her about all of her favorite games, like what her first game was. It's all RPGs, but that's going to be fantastic. And you see where I get it from now. Get it from my grandma. Ask her. See if she'd be willing. Even if it's just like a short. In- she doesn't have to do the whole show with us. Just like a short interview segment. You know, it we would be like fun. a feature. It'd be great. It would be fun. It would be a lot of fun. <sighs> all right. Well, listen, everybody, thank you so much for hanging with us here on this week's episode of What's Good Games. We will be back next week with a special guest to be announced. Boom, boom, boom. And mark your calendars for Saturday, May 14th for our What's Good Games five-year anniversary celebration Details forthcoming. Who? I haven't used that word in a while. I I haven't heard it in a while. That was great. It it stirred something deep within me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I love to hear. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye.